Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I cannot wait for you to meet my good friend and extraordinary woman of God, Terry Gabunga. Teresita, or as many of us affectionately call her, Terry, is the founder and president of Kara Omurani, an international organization that shelters sexually abused girls 14 and below that need a safe environment and intense therapy after defilement. Her passion to see sexual victims given a safe space to heal and be allowed to dream again comes from her own story as a survivor of sexual violence. Her autobiography, Crawling Out of Darkness, captures her life's journey from the dungeons of despair to a life full of promise. Terry is a graduate in Bible and theology from East Africa University. She's a sought after speaker, a winner of multiple awards honoring women, a marital coach with her husband, and a grateful mother to two beautiful girls. And once you hear her story, you will never be the same. Welcome, Terry. I'm so honored to have you here on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad. Well, you know, I first met you in Nairobi. We were there for a conference together when you were still living in Kenya and you're here in the States now. And I was immediately struck, Terry, by this unique anointing that is so evident on your life. And you led us in worship and you shared the word. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is so extraordinary about this woman? Then I read your book, Crawling Out of Darkness, and I understood. And now why and how you carry the glory of God in such a profound way. So Terry, so many girls dream of their wedding day. They plan it. They know it down to the detail, what they want it to be. And it's going to be a perfect day. That's what we envision in our mind. But your wedding day turned into a nightmare that shifted the direction of your life. So I just want to invite you to share your story with our listeners, not only here in the States, but around the world, your story of sexual violence to bring hope and healing to anyone else who maybe have gone through this or knows someone who has gone through it. So thank you, Terry. Invite us into your story. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Thank you so much. So every girl, just as you said, every girl dreams about the wedding day and mine was not any different. So I was, I was looking forward for this day and for sure the day came. And in the morning, I sneaked out on my wedding day. I sneaked out of the house because I had part of the clothes of my fiance. So when I discovered this late at night, I thought, you know what, when I get to church, I'm going to give them to him. But then one of my friends was going to church early who had spent the night at our place. And so I sneaked out to go and get these clothes to him. Um, to, my friend needed to go to the bus stop. She wasn't driving, so someone needed to escort her. It was about quarter to six in the morning. So I just dashed out real quick. My friend boarded the bus. And on my way back, there was a car parked before me. And I mean, I didn't think about anything. All you're thinking about is your wedding day. I mean, this exciting day that you've been waiting for. So when I got to this car, does someone just grabbed me from behind? You know, I just, I felt a chokehold. And before long, I was thrown into the, into the vehicle and we started driving off. So everything happened in a fraction of a second. Things were happening really fast. 
and something was touched in my mouth. I said to try and look around. There was one guy at the back seat with me. And then there was the driver and the co-driver. And we were driving real quick. And something in my mind tells me, probably this is a surprise from my, you know, my fiance. But then, the, you know, that quickly came to a halt when I started being punched. I was being bitten everywhere, basically. I mean, it was a stomach. It was... It was the head, it was my face, because I'm trying to fight. I'm trying to say, hey, you know, what's going on? And I can't say much because something is in my mouth. So I finally managed to push the thing using my tongue, and I see some pieces of cloth, and I say, you know, it's my wedding day. I'm really frantic. And so this man says, in Kiswahili, says, which means even for us, it's our wedding. And they burst out in laughter. And I mean, the thing is pushed back in my mouth and the blows just keep coming. And I don't understand because at this point, nobody has said anything. They're just saying you need to cooperate or you will die. So, okay, definitely then they want money or, I mean, I would do anything. Just, just let me go. And then I realized, wait, that's not, that's not what they want because now they started telling me you have to remove your pair of jeans. I was wearing my trousers my pens and so that dawned on me wait this is this is not about you know jewelry or money or this is this now they want to do the worst the thing that i've seen on tv the thing that i've heard somewhere but wait wait is this even happening to me so they finally managed to pull uh my pair of jeans and the fast man raped me when he was done I cannot remember the car coming to a stop, but they chained with the co-driver and the co-driver came behind and he as well raped me. And by this time, we're having all these cuts, you know, all because they had this knife that were threatening me with and they would hold, I mean, I would hold it and they would pull it out. So all this cut on my palm, so a lot of blood smelling in the car. I mean, I'm, I'm beaten up. Then... The driver now, that's the only time when the car stopped. The driver comes behind and he decided to be different. So he leans over me. So his knees are right on top of my face. And he opens up his zipper as he removes the pieces of cloth from my mouth. And so he just put in his manhood in my mouth. And I, at that point, I just went blank. And I knew I'm not going to make it because of all the bleeding and everything. But it ends with me for this man, like for especially this one, he will not do this to any other woman. So I just dug in, I plunged in my teeth, I beat that man. I've never had a man scream like that. There was such a groaning from him and someone, I just felt a sharp pain in my tummy and the car door was open and I was thrown out of this moving vehicle. I just remember hitting the ground, I rolled and I passed out. So, I mean, now people started telling me what happened at that time. You know, some child, somebody being thrown out. I mean, the villagers came. I was abducted quarter to six in the morning and I was found at about 12.30 in the afternoon. So all this while we were just in the car driving round and round and round. And so finally, when they, they, they just concluded she's dead because they could not get a pulse, the police came, they could not get a pulse either. 
So as they are taking me to the mortuary, I cough because they've wrapped me in the dead man's blanket. You know, there's a way we'll do it uh, back at home in Kenya. Uh, so they would wrap you in a blanket and put you behind their pickup, the truck. So I cough and the policeman says, you mean she's still alive? So now they change route instead of going to the mortuary. Now we are headed to the hospital. It's called Kenyatta National Hospital. So when we get to this hospital, I hear I'm very violent. And I'm just, especially when a man's voice, I would hear a man's voice. And my eyes are closed and I have no recollection of this. So I just hear that I was very violent. I kept throwing my hands. I kept throwing my feet. And, and, and you know, finally, the matron, again, with God's miracle, I tell you, God, he commands, you know, he, he watches over you, whether you're on, in the valley or on the mountain, he orders our steps. We just love it when he orders our steps on the mountain where you can breathe easy and it's beautiful air. But in the valley, you complain, and yet, you know, he's this God who just really directs uh, uh, us in different ways for his purposes. And so the mantra looks at me, and she says, this girl looks like a bride. Let me tell you, woman of God, I am half naked. I am swollen because of being bitten. I am bleeding. But this woman looks at me and believes that I look like a bride. What greater miracle. And she begins going to say, hey, she takes another nurse and they go to the church where my wedding is at. I mean, people have waited. They've been asked to please step out to give room for the second wedding. Oh. My fiance's phone has been taken away. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a mess. And when she gets there, she tells the, the, the reverend, hey, there's this lady, she's, you know, they try to describe me, the reverend said, that looks like, you know, that might be her. They come to the hospital and for sure, this it's Terry. So that's how they get to confirm. And my fiance is brought in, my parents are brought in because back at home, celebrations have died down. Everybody is out looking for me. Mm. The friend whom I escorted, everybody is on her case saying, Judy, you better produce Terry. Where is Terry? Mm. So finally, the family comes and they find me there. Unfortunately, the media has gotten the story. Mm. So I am all over the media, print, news at night, the bride who was gang raped. You, you, you don't want to meet the headlines mm. yeah. with, with that kind of a story. Mm. You want it to be different. It needs to be something good. No, it's shameful. I mean, I felt shameful. I felt exposed. I felt, you know, the Lord allowed my story to come out before I decided that I want to share. Yeah. You know, so just trying to think, hey, I didn't have the choice if I can share it or not. You just, I felt so bad. I mean, I complained. I, there was just a mixture of emotions. I was just a roller coaster of emotions. So I was taken away from that hospital. I was taken to another hospital where they did surgery. So the pain that I felt on my tummy um, when I was thrown out of the car, I had been stabbed. Mm. And the stab went deep into my womb. So it ruptured my womb. And then, you know, I was put on pep drugs to prevent me from HIV and AIDS. And all this while you were asking God questions. Hey, you know, I mean, why, where are you? What's yeah. going on? So that's what happened on my wedding so the wedding did not happen Mm -mm. but instead I was in hospital for the next two weeks wow 
Right. I mean, Terry, I've heard your story multiple times and yes. it impacts me deeply every time as I'm sure it is every listener. It's, it's really unthinkable what has mm-hmm. happened to you. And, and yet what is maybe more incredible is, is the resilience that you demonstrate. I know you personally. And so I know how you are in your mm-hmm. everyday life, your love for the Lord, your passion for the Lord, because Honestly, Terry, anyone who's been through that could have said, you know what? I turn my back on God. I don't want anything to do with him. Right. I want to know in, in the weeks and months that followed, walk us through what that was like for you. Right. So um, I had a lot of things to ask God, number one. I just couldn't. An image came and I saw God sitting on his big chair and he watched me going through everything. And I'm fighting with good father. You watched and you did not stop this. Yeah. And, and, and at that time, I realized in my book, I write about, you know, pain. What when you're using your lenses of pain, it can cause you not to see the right picture of God. That's because that was what was happening at that particular point. Because pain has a way of masking your vision that everything you just see, this one did not do, this one did not do. So I went through a lot. I had to take the medication. I went through counseling. I mean, I went through um, people starting to reject you because, hey, what, what was that about? And people blaming you because you stepped out. People blaming my best mate. Why did you leave her out? People blaming my parents. I mean, people pointing fingers. So I had to deal with all that. And my fiance, bless his heart. I mean, he was by my side 24 seven. He was there. He said, I mean, I want to marry you. I, I just told him, you've got to wait. I need to be sure that, um, am I positive or negative? I was really ignorant about HIV and AIDS at the time. So I just needed to wait. So three months, I was told you're negative. I was really excited. They told me, wait for six more months, uh, a total of six months. So another three months, again, I went in, they said, you're negative. And so I told my fiance, hey, I think I'm, I'm, I'm not ready, but I, I had the confidence that he would be able to carry me along in the journey of healing. So we started organizing for what I call my second wedding because the first wedding did not take place. So as we were organizing for that, and people are not showing up, people are not contributing towards the wedding. Remember, I was, everything happened on my wedding day. So we, we were not able to salvage anything in terms of money or any service provider giving us back oh. anything because everything was set up. Yeah. So I'm broke. We are broke. And when, um, so people are not coming in for the meetings, like six people show up, nine people show up and I'm getting really frustrated. I'm saying, God, you allow this to happen, but you're not even giving people the heart to contribute towards this. And I love God. I just, I love God because he's the lion and the lamb. He can roar so hard in our situation and he can come so low, even when we're really acting immature. I call it tautology. It's immaturity. When you're really immature about a situation, he still, he can just come as low as a lamb and just love on you. And so he did that. The same people who took my story and put it on the media, and I was really upset that they did that. God used the same medium that someone saw my story, got in touch with me and said, hey, I, heard, I learned this happened. We want to give you a free wedding. Mm, mm. So the same thing that takes you down, God uses the very same thing mm. to put you right back up. Wow. If only you would trust in the process. Because that's where the catch is. 
Many times we falter during the process because in the meantime, it's so hard. We all want a set time, but there has to be a meantime. Mm. And so I waited, you know, I, I just, I, when she said that, I, I didn't even understand what she means. This lady is called Veep. I tell you, she organized together with a group of ladies called Sheree Africa. And I had the most beautiful wedding, things that I could not even afford in my first wedding. I mean, they just brought it out. Of course, there was heavy presence of police because nobody uh, those uh, those that raped me, nobody knew. Was it planned? Was it not planned? Was I at the right place, wrong time, wrong place, right time? You know, all those yeah, things. Yeah. So the heavy presence of police, people gave their lives to Christ. Just seeing, wait, this girl, seven short months, this is her today. And the glory that was evident in that wedding was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So you have this second wedding. It's a miracle story. The way that God used what was evil for good, even in that situation with the media, you get married. The man has waited for you. He has loved you through these. He has stood by your side. And then Terry, you suffer an unimaginable tragedy. So walk us through then what happened after your wedding. Right. So I get married. And we live for honeymoon, again, fully paid for, air ticket, different destination. God just really loved on us. The Bible talks about in the book of Isaiah that for every shame, God is going to give you double portion of honor. So he did that. So we had the most beautiful wedding. So went for honeymoon, came back 28 days. So on the 29th day, uh, 28th day, I told, I told my husband, hey, it's very, you know, we want to start our lives, right? This was a Friday. So on a Saturday, I said... We want to start our lives right. So let's pray and fast. So we're praying and fasting. So in the afternoon, I told him I want to go make my hair. He said, good, I'm going to take you. So we went. As I was braiding my hair, he tells me, I'm going to go to the stores and buy a chocolate banner. Because where we were staying was very, very cold. So I need you. I need to ensure that you, my, my bride is not cold. I said, wait a minute. We don't want chocolate banner because it really my chest gets congested and all these things. And he tells me, and so Terry, this argument. Yes. for people who don't know what that is, Chacobana, explain that to us here in the States. Is it like right. a gas, a gas stove? Um, it's not exactly a gas stove because this uses charcoal or coal, mm-hmm. something okay. like that. Okay. Yes. So you lit up the charcoal, the coal for it now to bring fire. Got it. Okay. So, so we use it back at home. We use it for cooking and we can use it to warm the house. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the way you would put firewood to burn to, to warm yes, the place. Yes. Exactly. So that's what we're using. And let me tell you, I mean, it was just, we had this argument back and forth. And he told me, don't stop me on how to love you. I want to mm-hmm. make sure that my bride is warm, period. So I said, wait, okay, hold up. This is where you move back and let you, you know, let yourself be loved. So he went to the stores, bought um, the charcoal banner, came back to the house. I went to the bedroom to cook. He lit it up and he took it to the bedroom so that the room can be warm. So mm-hmm. as I was cooking, he comes to the kitchen. He's taken the, ch- uh, the, the charcoal banner by this time in the bedroom. So he comes to the kitchen. He switches off the gas. He carries me on the kitchen counter and says, we need to talk. And he's, he's very, he's in a pensive mood. He's very, you know, very staunch and neat. Like we need to talk. And I say, 
I, I laugh it off. I say, what's so important that we have to talk right now when I'm cooking and you have to switch off? And he says, this is very important. So eyeball to eyeball, he says, if I would ever die, I want you to go on with your life because you're coming from a close-knit family. I don't know how you would survive on your own. I say, oh, wait, wait, hold it. Why are we talking about death? We've been 29 days married. We've just come back from our honeymoon. We've been praying and fasting the whole day. You want to talk about death now? Those are things you talk about when you've really aged and you've stayed together. I'm not going to talk about that. So I just refused to have that conversation. He went to the balcony, stood there for a while, beautiful evening, beautiful skies. Then he came back to the, to the house and the mood in the house had completely changed. So we just held on to each other. We embraced. And at that point, we broke down and cried and really, really did cry. Once that was over, we said, hey, pray, whatever that was. We rebuked that, had our meal, then went to the bedroom. It was so warm, but I was so cold. And I told him that. So he removed the charcoal banner outside because we know the dangers of being a bit in the house. So he removed it outside. And we slept, but we could not quite sleep because it was so cold. So we had this back and forth. At one point I said, let me add another comforter. He could not stand to get it. I could not stand to get it. None of us had the strength, but we were talking. We were having this conversation, but none of us could stand I started saying, we shall live and not die in Jesus' name. I started confessing, we shall live and not die in Jesus' name. And I kept saying, you need to say that. You need to say that. And he could not say that. All he said was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When I came to, because I passed out, I felt in my spirit, you have to do something, Terry. So I started pushing myself out of the bed. When I fell down, I threw up. And when I threw up, interesting enough, I got strength to crawl. I crawled, switched on the light went to his side and he was just sleeping. I took the phone and called my best mate who was living on the first floor of the apartment we were staying in. And she said, we've heard you calling out for help. We've called the police because we thought they're thieves. I said, no, Valerie, they're no thieves. Harry is not even responding to me. So when they came down, they wanted to break part of the door, but they could not break the entire door because there was a last latch on the metallic door. So I had to crawl to get to the door. When I opened it, I just remember people screaming. I just felt there was so much noise. So I passed out. The next time I came to, I was in hospital, feeling amazingly warm because the last time I was very cold. So I asked, where's my husband? They said, he's in the next room. We are working on him. I said, all right. So I waited, but then I had a very disturbing conversation. The nurse was having, well, it wasn't a disturbing conversation, but my spirit was just in turmoil at that point. And the nurse was on the phone and she said, is that the mortuary? Don't close, we have a client. And for some reason that just, no, I just started calling out for the doctor. So when the doctor came, I asked the doctor, please tell me, uh, where's my husband? Oh, we're working on him. He's in the emergency. I said, doctor, just listen. I just want one answer from you. Don't tell me you're trying, you're working on him. I just don't understand. Tell me one word. He is he alive or dead? And so the doctor just looked at me and said, mm, I'm sorry, he didn't make it. I, I thought to myself, did you hear right? So I burst out in laughter. I just, I just burst out in laughter and I say, um, are you born again? 
says, yes. I said, good for you. Get up. We are going to pray for him. Mm. And so the doctor just slaps me because I hear this is, you have to do something um, drastic because I was running into shock. And at that point, it hit me, Angela, to the tips of my nails, the pain, the loss. I could not, I could not even wish it on my worst enemy because the Bible talks about you being one. So it's a part of you has been ripped. I couldn't understand the process. I couldn't understand God. I couldn't, I couldn't understand anything. It was dark. You know, the Bible records one point that earth was, it was dark. And I signed myself out of the hospital because I felt really bad that they did not allow me to see him. Something I had faith in me that if I prayed for him, he's just going to get up, you know. So when my brother came and I, I asked him, have you seen him? And he says, yes. I said, don't let, let them, don't let them take him to the mortuary. We need to pray. And my brother was shaking me and telling me, Terry, you better accept this. It's done. He's gone. Oh. So, yeah. So we started the process. But I know by the time I got home in the morning, in the morning, the first people that I had crying, and one would say, why did you have to kill our son? If you didn't love him, you didn't have to marry him. Mm. Quickly, I turned from being a mourner to a mother real quick oh. and I started thinking wait what someone would think I would you know so we had to do we had to go for post-mortem and so it showed that he died from carbon monoxide okay I mean and the food we're just eating he just it, it was stuck on his truck it was the doctor says it was it was a painful death it was mm. a painful death yes mm. right Very so awesome. I'm so sorry. I mean, the level of trauma that you have endured to think that you are, you've, you're here and not yeah. only did you survive, but you, you thrive. That's yeah. what is extraordinary about you. The darkness that you describe that it was so palpable. What helped you to crawl out of darkness? I know your whole autobiography. I want our listeners to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll share with how they can get it in just a moment, but I want to know for people are listening like me, they're literally just sitting on the edge of their chair, listening to your story, Terry, what helped you to crawl out of that place of darkness into the light that you are now living in so profoundly? Right. One of the things that I held on to was worship. I'm going to be very, I want to strip very naked before our listeners and our viewers and just to let them know, I didn't, I was not able to read the Bible. No, I wasn't able. But you know the way the word talks about that word, you should put it in your heart. Because there comes a time when you cannot flip through scriptures, but that word in your heart will carry you. So for me, it was worship. I just put it because I understood that one thing the enemy does is to attack your mind and your environment. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So whatever you hear is what is going to encourage you or put you down. So I held on so tight to worship. I just would worship and I allowed it to change my atmosphere because that's where it begins. 
So the words in the worship, one particular song from Don Moy that says, God, you seem so far away. A million miles more it feels today. And that's exactly what I was feeling. Mm. But then it starts as a company, but it gets to a point in the chorus where it says, you know, I will sing, I will praise everything that I can stop through the sorrow and the pain. And that, in as much as I'm saying it and I'm in pain, it just did something. It already confessing the right thing. It already ushered me to saying, God, I don't understand it. I don't want it. But you know what? I will not cease to worship you right now. Mm. So I held on to worship and worship helped me to crawl. And one of the things about my faith, my faith is, I want to, I mean, people say my faith is really for a little child. I just, I, 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 I love God. So, okay, fine. You're not going to answer me. You're, you're not going to do right by me, but I'm just going to be here. You know, it's just really baby-like. So I remember just crashing on the floor and telling God, I just don't understand you. You tell me you love me more than the sparrow, but it seems like you're choosing the sparrow over me. And, you know, and, and, and I'll, then I would say, but what's my option? If I don't serve you, who am I going to serve? So I'm stuck with you and I'm just going to be here. And I'm just going to, you know, boo. So just that kind of faith where it doesn't matter what you do. I'm just going to be here. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. I'm just going to be here. And that's what I hold uh, so tightly. That's what I got. So worship and that just faith of a little child helped me really crawl to see. I, I just believed, Angela, there has to be better. Yeah. There has to be better. I'm not in the chapter today, but there has to be a better chapter in my life. That's mm-hmm. I held onto that. Right. Wow. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. And I've heard you lead worship and it, I led worship for almost 20 years and still lead on occasion. Yes. Terry, I, I can count on one hand, the number of times I have felt the, the manifest glory of God in such a palpable, tangible way. And in one of those times was you leading worship. It is just what you have been through comes out of you and not in a, not the, the negative of it, but the refining fire of it and the, the childlike faith that you're talking about, the surrendered heart that you're talking about, the, the places that you worshiped him in the darkness are bringing people hope in the light. And I'm telling you guys, you have got to read her autobiography. And that wasn't the last chapter for you because God brought a new man into your life. You are married and you have two beautiful daughters and you live here in the States. Now you, you coach others through marriage situations Tell us just quickly what God has done through now that new chapter and then the way he's using you now for these Mm -hmm. beautiful young girls in Kenya. Right. So I kept turning the pages. I just want someone to hear that. Mm. I kept turning the pages. Please don't close the book of your life. There has to be more. There has to be more that the Lord wants for you. So I just kept turning the pages until God brought a beautiful chapter in my life. And my husband today came into my life, loved me beyond. God blessed us with two amazing children. Remember when I was stabbed, they said I will not give them to our children because my womb was ruptured. But God just made sure that, hey, not just one, but two of them. So it's beautiful. And then because of what I've gone through, I do a lot of counseling. 
I do a lot of co- uh, 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 trauma coaching. Yes. And at one point I said, wait, because people would come to me with all these different issues, loss and, you know, going through rape, just different types of trauma. And I went to study for rape. But then when I got a little girl brought to me by the mother who had gone through sexual abuse and the mother was not empowered enough, the mother was still going back to the home and the father was the perpetrator. Mm. That did it for me. I mean, I cried for days and I just, I could not take it. I said, well, I have to step in. I have to step in. Someone has to do something. I looked around and I saw there was no home that was taking sexually abused children only. There are homes that are mixing up all the children and yet the care for sexually abused children needs to be very intense, need to be very specific because that trauma, it can get lost somewhere in between as they're growing up. But then as they grow old, there's something that just snaps and takes you right back. There's always a trigger that will take you back because it was never taken care of. Mm. And so I just, I started looking out and that's how I opened the home. Kara Olmurani. Mm. This girl, a beautiful girl, 14 years and below. Right now, our youngest is three years old, mm. but we have a, a eight month old in the home and the mother is 13 years old. Oh, Terry. And what, is that, what does that mean? Kara Omurani, what does that mean in Swahili? Right. Kara Omurani means I am a warrior. Mm. I have to get a name that calls something out of them. Because when you go through rape, you feel dirty. You feel not loved. Something beautiful has been taken away. So the best thing I said, let me get a name that calls it out. That says, I'm a warrior. I'm a push to get my identity back. I will. Mm. Because one thing with rape survivors, the bigger chunk of the work is left for them. In fact, rape survivors are the only ones who are guilty until the rapist is found, then they are proved innocent, which Mm. shouldn't be the case. No. So we have to call it out, the champion in them, the fight, the the warrior spirit in them to rise up and fight for themselves. This is a battle for destiny because that's what the enemy is attacking. So these children, I mean, I've seen them from, they come in when their smile has completely been wiped. Mm. Most of them come when they're having multiple, multiple tears, multiple. We have to do six, seven surgeries Mm. so that they're able to be put back together because there's a little children. Yes. And it's happening in our homes day in, day out. Mm. So we take care of them. They come in, we do the rescue, we do the rebuilding, and then we do the reintegration once we see that they are okay. And the rebuilding looks like going, taking them to school, looks like taking them for mental checkup. They have all their surgeries there. I mean, it's basically the way you would have your child who is hurt over something. So we do every single thing for these children. And we have amazing 24 girls in our home, one in, in one of our homes. And we just love what God is doing in their lives. When we see them giving their lives to Christ, when we see them just smile. I never thought how precious a smile would be. Oh. Just to see a smile and just say, what? That is what was hidden? Mm. It's, it's beautiful. That's powerful. That was what was hidden that yes. was what was hidden. Exactly. And that's what trauma does. That's what sin does. It hides our true identity. Then we begin to 
be identified by our trauma, our pain, our circumstances, our victimization, Mm -hmm. and the warrior spirit that has risen up with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you are empowering these young girls, listeners, viewers. These are young girls. And Terry, we don't have time, but I know you could tell us stories that would be hard for us to to recover from hearing um and i've talked with you personally about them the 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 depth of of difficulty even getting the the girls the help they need dealing with the the ramifications in the police situation and families it there's a lot of layers to this that terry is working with and advocating for so i want everyone who's listening and watching i want them to know how they can connect with you terry and how they can be a part of what you're doing to empower these girls to find their identity again to find their smile to find hope i'll put all of these links in our show notes as well and i want to make sure guys go to my show notes and look at these links today, but tell us, Terry, before we wrap up today, how can they be a part of bringing hope? I need everyone to just hold our hand mm-hmm. and just bring hope to these girls. I'll give you an example. For example, we do a lot of hospital visits. Of course, they go to school. And of course, there's a lot of court hearing. We need just transportation. Okay. I mean, when you go to the, to our website, there's the link, you know, where you can give or go fund me towards our van that we're trying to raise funds. Apart from that, the one that just takes my nights is when we have, when we need to do a surgery for one of these girls, everything is out of pocket. Like we need to help them to recover well, because you don't just take care of the mental and the spiritual, but you forget the physical. In fact, when the physical has no pain, then you can easily now talk to them about many other aspects of their lives. So we need that. We need colostomy bags because we do the people who we've had to do the stomach opening to allow you know, everything to pass on that side as we allow the rectum area to heal. Those are some of the cases that we are dealing with. So we have the medical burden, which is huge. We have the transportation burden. We have all these things. And you know what? You can also adopt a child, Kara adoption. So you can have a child where she doesn't have, she doesn't get out of our place because it's a safe house. But you know, you have a child in Kenya, where you love on her, you ensure that her needs are taken care of, and you just take her as your own child. And all this, you will be able to get it on the website, www.karaomurani.org, or my website, and I know Angela will be able to link all these things down, but we need you to just hold our hand in every way possible. Nothing is too little. Nothing is too little. And I'm going to put those in here, but it's Kara Omurani. I'm going to spell it as well. If you're looking for it right now, K-A-R-A-O-L-M-U-R-A-N-I.org. Kara Omurani.org or TerryGabanga.com, correct? That is .com, TerryGabanga, G-O-B-A-N-G-A. And they're in my show notes, guys. I want you to, we're going to hold hands, Terry. We're going to hold your hands. We're going to, we're going to hold hands with these girls 
Some of us could adopt a girl. I'm going to be praying about that. Some of us could sew. You just hear even in the the medical needs, the depth of need that is here. And Terry is going to pray over us in a moment. You're not going to want to miss that. If you are going through a dark season, if you have been through trauma yourself, or you are interceding right now for those that are going through difficulty, Terry is going to pray such power over you. The warrior that is in her is going to pray over us. But I want to ask you one last question, Terry. I want to know, because you've inspired so many to make life matter. These beautiful girls that are in your home, the safe home that you provided, other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has inspired you to make Mm -hmm. life matter? Who is that person you cannot wait to meet when you get to heaven? Now, the person who's inspired me is Deborah. Yes, I look at Deborah and I begin to ask myself, Deborah, you arose as a mother. Mm. She did not arise as a prophet or a judge. Wow. And I find so much power in that because we have so many excuses every other day. I cannot because I'm not educated. I cannot because, you know, they don't know me. I cannot because I'm not a pastor. I cannot. There's a myriad of excuses that we can have. But when I look at Deborah's life, the fact that she just arose as a mother, and where did she do all her work? Under the palm tree? So what's Mm. your excuse today? I ask myself, what's my excuse today? I I don't have an office. Oh, you know, I don't have this. Because that just says where you are at, you can make a huge difference. The Bible records life in Israel had ceased. But she brought life once again. So I'm just encouraging our viewers and our listeners just out of that. Just do something with whatever you have. What do you have in your hands, basically? So Deborah to be. Oh, I love her. She's powerful. And that's a great insight that although she was a prophet and a leader, went into battle, a judge. That's not what she arose as. That's a very interesting insight. And that is speaking to the women that are listening to this right now. Listen, whether you're a physical mother or a spiritual mother, you can arise in the call of God on your life. And you can eliminate those excuses that hold us back and be the warrior that God has called you to be. So thank you, Terry, not only for sharing your story, but just allowing God to use you the way that you persevered, that you said, no, this is not going to be the end of my story. This is not going to be the last chapter written over my life. That's a word for someone today. The chapter you're in is not the last chapter that God is writing. This is not the end of the story for you. Hold on to who God is. And I want to read today's truth that matters before Terry prays over us. It's from first Peter two, nine about coming out of darkness and into the light. And this is the word I felt like the Lord had for us today, Terry, to encourage our listeners to speak over them from the word, but you are a chosen people. You are a Royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And I'm speaking that and I'm feeling emotional thinking about the people who don't feel chosen right now. You don't feel royal. You don't feel set apart. You feel broken or bruised or wounded. But listen, this is the word over you. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. This word says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his 
wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is his word over you today. Terry, thank you. I pray so much favor and enlarged territory over you. I just pray for those in every nation hearing this story, over a hundred nations hearing this today, that, that, that you know you are loved. You are not what has been done to you. Listen, you are not what has been done to you. You are the identity that God speaks over you. And so, Terry, thank you for reminding us of that today, the power of your story. I encourage those of you who have never even written your story down, you've suffered in silence, you've suffered in shame, that you allow God into those painful places, seek the help that you may need, the counseling, the medical help. Terry has shared so honestly about that, but more than anything, Lean into who God is. Know that he loves you today. Thank you, Terry. Would you pray over us as we end our time together today? Sure. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take this opportunity to say thank you for the gift of life. I know there are some people who are listening right now and they're wondering, why am I even alive? Is there any point of my being alive? Lord, I pray that you may remove the scales of pain that is masking to see what who they truly are in you, Jehovah God. Father, I know that times and seasons, at times things happen to us that we are not able to see the bigger picture. Lord, I pray that in the meantime, you will hold them together, Jehovah God, that they will be able to hold on and trust you in the process, even when they do not know what it looks like ahead, because we know that, Father, you calculated all out for us, Jehovah God. Lord, I pray that you may rise the warrior spirit in each and every one of our listeners today, Jehovah God, that that which died within them, that they're supposed to be reviving, I pray, Lord, that they will reach deep in their soul and reach out for it, not by might not by power but by your spirit i pray lord that they'll continue to turn the pages of their lives knowing lord that there is a better chapter that awaits you meant it for them to be from glory to glory may you meet them at their points of need and may you encourage them as you get them out of that verdi and onto the mountain to shout out of your goodness and of your love. We thank you, Lord, and we ask, Father, that you may embrace each and every one of them tenderly, Jehovah God, in the arms, Jehovah God, those that are not feeling your love, those that are feeling broken, Lord, remind them that you care about us. Remind them that you know that everything that happens to them will turn out for good as long as they're holding on to you. We thank you and we love you, Jesus, for it is in Jesus' mighty name, precious name, that we do pray and believe. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at angeladenadiovov, and Instagram at angeladenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.